your host, Patrick Young, Associate Co-Convener at NISM, and today we chat with Mikiko Nishimura and James Williams. Mikiko is a Professor of Sociology of Education and International Education Development and Director of the Service Learning Center at International Christian University in Tokyo, Japan. And James, in addition to being a long-standing mentor and friend of mine, is a chairholder of the UNESCO Chair in International Education for Development at the George Washington University and co-convener at NISM, in addition to many other distinctions. Great to have you both on Cell Chat, Mikiko and Jim. Hello, um, my name is Mikiko Nishimura. I teach sociology of education and international cooperation in education at ICU in Tokyo. I was a practitioner in international educational development. Actually, I've worked in 14 countries, but basically I spent much of my time in Africa, especially Kenya and Uganda. So that experience really gave me a kind of a lot of interest in understanding different contextual uh, situations in educational settings, focusing on um, sociological backgrounds of education and different opportunities in different parts of the world. So thank you very much for this opportunity. It's very nice to be part of this. My name is Jim Williams, James Williams. I teach at George Washington University. Uh, my initial international experience was in Japan, actually. In that context, I came to understand, to appreciate the very real and interesting ways in which social ideas that I grew up with vary across cultures. I went on to do some, do a good bit of work in Sub-Saharan Africa, and then in a sense returned to, in my heart, to East and Southeast Asia. Delighted to be here. Thank you uh, so much for sharing uh, such rich backgrounds. Uh, now, you know that Cell Chat is all about uh, demystifying the larger discourse around life skills, 21st century skills, transversal skills and competencies and the like. So drawing from your experiences, are there any unique aspects to the way 21st century skills are viewed in the uh, countries and regions you're familiar with, for example, South and Southeast Asia and Africa? Let me talk about the case of Japan. Uh, Japan has recently implemented a new curriculum, and the focus is placed on spontaneity of learners and dialogue in classrooms and programming skills and English skills. We kind of see some characteristics. Uh, for example, emphasis is placed on compassion and emotional involvement rather than skills and competencies per se, like analysis of factors to causality. And this is in line with other kind of studies that say in East Asia, we emphasize morality, self-cultivation and compassion with high value placed on conformity over critical thinking and social justice. So that's kind of distinctive feature when it comes to social emotional learning in the context of East Asia. We also have the issue of division of content and behavior. For example, if you assess students, students perform very well in PISA teams and all kinds of examinations that says we are measuring 21st century skills. But when it comes to attitude and behavior, you know, let's say if you ask students, have you ever volunteered? Have you ever served for a community? They say no. <laughs> so there's a division between what you know and what you do in reality. 
My third observation is actually related to global versus local. South Korea and Japan have promoted like global citizenship education and education for sustainable development. I wonder whether there is a division between values and expectation at local level and global level. Because obviously in East Asia, we have a problem of gender equality, individual freedom, and also low level of youth satisfaction with the society as, as compared to other countries in the world. We still have this kind of challenge or rather contradiction in values that we are focusing on when it comes to 21st century skills. You know, there's a, grow, a small but growing body of research literature on how some 21st century skills and their relatives are understood differently in non-Western, less industrialized context. I would argue that such variations are probable within Western industrialized countries as well, perhaps for a working class communities or um, non uh, Caucasian communities, but um, that uh, is is to be done, and and this is all with the sense that um, my hunch, which is increasingly being borne out by research, the words may appear the same, but the um, understanding of them is quite different. So Mikiko's work on uh, thinking about creativity and critical thinking is really interesting. The notion that in the West there's more of an emphasis on challenging the uh, foundations of, uh, of, of the order in critical thinking, uh, in a sense combined perhaps with the social justice orientation. Creativity is, is maybe seen as something completely new as opposed to a sense in East Asia. Creativity also means uh, refining what is there rather than coming up with something uh, so completely new and critical thinking similarly is perhaps an application of careful analytic thought, but to existing problems and existing um, structures and such rather than challenging them. Yeah. And uh, in terms of Africa, I know many countries focus on competency based curriculum that emphasize a lot of social emotional aspects of skills and competencies. But the problem is when it comes to those skills and competencies, we kind of encourage experiential learning with using a lot of materials or variable in locality, they say, but as a matter of fact, that involves a lot of parental participation as well as resources. If we don't take care of socioeconomic differences, then this kind of innovative curriculum can, can create further social division uh, based on socioeconomic status. So that's the kind of concern that I have in Africa. In Africa, uh, research by one of my recent doctoral students, um, Dr. Jisung Jung, found that villagers and parents in the Ghanaian community placed a lot more emphasis on social awareness and responsibility, respect, discipline, obedience, attention, good listener, giving back to the community, and relationship skills, rather uh, sociable, friendly, expressive, cooperative, uh, participatory, rather than the self-management and self-awareness domains, more collective in that sense. And individual competencies um, mentioned by educators uh, tended to focus around curiosity and self-motivation, leadership skills, emotional stability, and that sort of thing. And so there's less of a challenge to the existing order as into fitting into it. Um, similar research carried out by Matthew Jukes in Tanzania, uh, again, talking about the, um, the, the values of, of fitting into the social order and contributing to it 
uh, as a, a really critical social emotional skill as opposed to challenging it. Yes, um, Jim stimulated my thinking because then we have to question, you know, what's the role of schooling and non-schooling? Because when I was in Africa, you know, they have this initiation ceremony whereby they have some sort of non-formal ways of education of, for young people. And I asked once, you know, what do you teach there? And they say, how to become a good person. And I was thinking, wow, that's interesting. So what do you do in school? They said, we will learn skills and competences to get employment in school. So I was thinking maybe social emotional skills are rather nurtured outside schooling, you know, setting in some of the dual communities that have like modern section and traditional sections per se. And also like in Asian case, probably, you know, what's the meaning of schooling? could be quite different, probably. Uh, we pretty much emphasize uh, community at school, like homeroom system whereby a teacher is sitting there with his children, and it's the teacher who moves around the classrooms. Whereas in, in the U.S. and other countries, it's the students who are going to move around <laughs> and follow teachers. So um, the, the way schools are formed uh, is pretty much different, depend on the social context. One of the ideas that I've had about Japanese education is for a long time is that competition is by and large outside the classroom. The classroom itself tends to be uh, the emphasis of uh, coordinate, uh, compassion or identification with the group, much less than individuals competing against each other in the classroom. There's a lot of competition in society, but that's outside. And I don't know if that is true or not, but that's been a long suspicion of mine. That's true. Our classroom situations are very much different from, you know, competition-based uh, so-called shadow education system. So, again, the school system puts a lot of emphasis on collaborative work, uh, community building, you know, being compassionate about different uh, kinds of people, like this little lunch system whereby we kind of take turns of serving roles and being served and children sit together, eat the same food at the same time. We think about who made this food, you know, where those ingredients come from. We appreciate the nature and we kind of follow the same sort of, we, we share the same space, same food. So that's a kind of part of community building. I think this is very much embedded in our community building practices uh, traditionally. And it's a um, nurture social emotional kind of skills to be together and um, belong to the same community. Perfect. Thank you uh, so much, uh, Mikiko and Jim. Um, now, thinking about policy, um, I'd like to have each of you think about one recent key policy reform in the area of curriculum and textbooks. Uh, and how that reform connected to transversal issues. Okay, yeah, thank you. So Japan has implemented the new curriculum and uh, they focus on sp spontaneity, dialogue and deep reflection, which sound all very kind of challenging in a way um, because the old curriculum focused on what content the teachers have to teach. But now we are talking of how we transfer, how we nurture uh, students' skills and competencies. 
So the process is emphasized a lot uh, more than what the content. But then when it comes to assessment, how can you evaluate the process uh, of participation, process of spontaneity? What kind of dialogue really stimulates uh, students' creativity or critical thinking or compassion? So that's questionable. So it's all, it's up to teachers. So teachers are now kind of trying to figure out how best they could create such process and how, how they could create such assessment that doesn't really check the exam you know, test scores, but more of the quality of participation or the process of dialoguing. In the, the West where there's a lot of, in the US and, and such, where there's a lot of emphasis on social emotional learning, uh, there are tremendous resources available to teachers to help do that with a fair bit of, of preparation and in-service opportunities. In particularly in low-income context, there really isn't those, those resources aren't available. And teachers surely know in some sense what these uh, dimensions of, of learning are but they probably don't have a very accurate sense of how they can be taught in the classroom, especially in an exam-driven system or where there are lots and lots of children in a classroom with a, an overloaded curriculum to teach. And so NISAM is trying to integrate pedagogy and um, as well as the social-emotional content into textbooks in ways that help teachers and students uh, do better on that. Yeah, that's true. Um, my colleague from Uganda has done some work on checking the curriculum alignment, you know, what the, uh, the textbooks and curriculum intend to do and what's actually happening in classroom. And he found that there is a huge gap between the intention and actual implementation, maybe because of the skills, maybe because of the, like, as Jim said, content, too much content but the partial implementation on the ground. So I think that balancing um, these you know, curriculum and textbooks and actual implementation uh, should draw attention. And Nisim has been doing a great job on that one. I hope that they can come to do some work in Japan too, because now we are having very new curriculum and a lot of teachers need kind of help to really grasp what they actually have to do on the ground. Two points. Uh... Two comments that you mentioned uh, kind of resonate with me that uh, ultimately it's all up to teachers and, and teachers need help. And as a former teacher, uh, I always like to think about uh, the application of anything that we're, we're talking about. So in that vein, um, what are some practical or pedagogical strategies that teachers engage in to uh, highlight social and emotional learning from your experience? You know, the problem of this socio-emotional learning in formal schooling system in Japan is that I think we have some kind of division between the content-based curriculum and hidden curriculum. So Japan is famous for having a lot of hidden curriculum like athletic days or like school lunch <laughs> program, a lot of um, extracurricular or co-curricular activities that require students to work together 
in a very intensive manner rather than individually performing or outperforming others. So I think a lot of social emotional uh, skills and development have been done in like co-curricular, extracurricular or hidden curriculum side as opposed to the content. And, uh, but now it's a time for teachers to think about how to nurture social emotional skills and competencies within the formal curriculum. So that's the challenge that we are facing. So the curriculum says, okay, teachers have to increase the time for debate, discussion, and more like creative uh, inquiry-based research projects for, uh, for students. But the problem is the teachers are so much used to getting an answer or uh, following the particular order or process rather than, you know, let students think outside the box and whatever outcome comes, just accept it. It's very difficult for teachers to do and there's no authority that says this is better than the other. So that uncertainty obviously is somehow puzzling a lot of teachers. And so I don't have any specific good practice, but I think that's the point. That illustrates that it's not simply a matter of resources. There's uh, the mindset is a major issue and how teachers, how teachers were taught, how they understand their understanding of the, the, what, what knowledge is and the freedom that students feel or don't feel to say things that, for which there's no conclusive answer. And that, that can be enormously unsettling to teachers and students who are used to having an answer. And, uh, and so getting that, that transition is quite, quite a challenge, I think, and not necessarily something that uh, teachers and, uh, know how to, and students know how to do well. It's not something that comes naturally. And in an exam-driven um, environment, um, it becomes much more difficult. The, this linkage between assessment and curriculum intention and then plus implementation, I think the alignment has to be thought through very carefully in order for us to be able to nurture socio-emotional skills and competencies on top of curriculum content. Now, you know that we're very excited about the upcoming VNIES Learning Transversal Competencies in ASEAN Countries and Their Neighbors Conference. For our listeners, please see the NISM website at nism.org and our Twitter for more. Now, to finish our chat, Jim and Mikiko, what do you look forward to at the conference? I'm very excited to listen to other presenters to really further broaden my perspective of context, different contexts, uh, different ways of thinking, but learn from each other. I think that's the, the most um, exciting thing that I would like to expect from this conference. And I, I'm looking forward to the conference as well. I'm convinced that. We use the same words, but we mean somewhat different things and um, in many ways. And I'd like to get a better understanding of how those ways differ across different places. This is your host, Patrick Young, Associate Co-Convener at NISM. Thank you for listening to our final episode of Cell Chat. I want to thank the co-conveners at NISM and my right hand, Lydia Anis, for their support. I'm thankful for the many others who participated and helped make this season possible. Please stay up to date at nism.org and sign up for our LiftServe for the latest news. I hope you enjoyed Cell Chat. See you around. Cell Chat.